Hello and welcome to People First Made Hard podcast. I'm Siobhan, so I'm doing the interview today. We are with Dave and Lisa. Dave is from the Bereavement Counselling, which helps people with death and dying and how to cope with it. So he would, he's ready to speak about it. So if this episode is a little bit sensory or anything, it's okay. Just try and give it a listen, but there's a warning. So the first question, David, how long have you been doing bereavement counselling for? Well, about to say hello first. Hello. I've been bereavement counselling for, I was trying to work out on the train coming down, about four years. Um, so I've been a counsellor for six. Um, did, yeah, so I started my training. Ooh, can't remember the date. But yeah, about four years I've been, I've been in bereavement counselling. And for the past two years, that's included people with learning difficulties. What made you want to go into bereavement counselling? Hmm. So I did my initial training as a counsellor uh, for Liverpool Bereavement Service. So uh, when I branched out into my own private practice, I stayed with Liverpool Bereavement Service because it was a very valuable thing for the people in the community. Uh, and since I've been there, they've sort of uh, opened the doors a little bit more to people with different backgrounds. And uh, for the first time last year, I think it was, we had people in with learning difficulties. And I think Lisa was the first one. I was. You I came was. in and started taking a mickey out of my room. I really did. Because <laughs> it's a bit dingy, isn't it? <laughs> it was like, yes, it is. I dingy. thought it was quite nice, but it needed, needed someone to come in and tell me <laughs> some plants. And, Pictures, yeah, he had one picture of a flower on the wall. <laughs> it's a nice one, though, wasn't it? <coughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, that, that's a little bit about uh, me and our And did, did you have any specific training to work with people with a learning disability? So I've worked um, for about 14 years uh, with people uh, with learning difficulties in various capacities uh, across different support organisations in Liverpool and Chester. So I've got quite a big background uh, of uh, working in, with people with learning difficulties and I just translated that to my counselling practice because there didn't seem to be a lot of support out there um, and we were getting a lot of inquiries. So yeah, that, that's kind of my background. Do you think it's good people are talking about mental health more? It seems like the last 10 years mental health has been more open. Absolutely, yeah. Um, It's allowing people to be honest about their experience Um, and obviously as more people are expressing how they feel there's more support out there as well and less of a stigma around it. Uh, Yeah, it's really good that people are talking about it. So have you supported a person with a learning disability through their experience and love? So can you explain a little bit about what that's like doing? Yeah, so it's um, so specific to the counselling, 
uh, it's it's really like a person-centered approach it's very different for everybody um, yeah it, you can't really put a, a time scale on it and it, I think it's about holding the space so people can express how they're feeling it's often people don't like talking about it in in the wider society we're all a bit squeamish about death and um, so it's about holding that safe space where somebody's comfortable enough to express how they feel um, yeah and I, I think wider than uh, counseling it should be I think with support organizations there should be more of a more of a push towards training everybody in understanding that, that bereavement and loss and death is a part of life and everybody will experience it at some point. I think that's amazing because especially dealing with mental health myself and dealing with bereavement at a young age. I think it's hard for everyone to cope with it. I'm lucky that I've got people that are open with me and explain everything to me, but a lot of people with a learning disability or autism sometimes get wrapped up and don't really get it explained to them like in the correct way or like an adult. And it may, it's just about maybe taking a little bit of time to say it in a way that will help them. So, yeah, I'm lucky in that way that I've got people who will support me in bereavement and loss. If so, how did you, the person, cope with the loss? Mm, so, counselling really is, is a short-term Thing. so we have a number of sessions and I think within that it's about using the time as wisely as possible for the person so for some people they've never expressed their feelings around the loss before so that's the important part for other people it can be that they're learning to live with the loss so they're, they're a little bit further down the line um, they're sort of holding their grief and they're trying to work out a way to hold it and move forwards and have a happy life um, yeah, so it's it's kind of different for everybody, and it depends where the where the client comes in. Um, yeah, but it, it can be it can be tailored, you know. To, to in in my sorry, in my case, um, I was very angry at the world for a long, long time. That was a long, long time, and I I was said this by Lord, it helped me so much. Even though I didn't really speak as much in the sessions. <laughs> but it, it was more um, knowing that someone outside the family got what I was feeling and got what I was I was trying to say. Got, got what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, and knowing that someone else was there to sort of bounce off and sort of to sit in the room, in a white room. With one picture of a flower on. It's a nice one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it was just like a space to like, just totally relax and chill and know that if you want to, you can cry in the room, you can be angry in the room, you can whatever you want in the room and go outside and then face the world again. And emotions, I think, 
Yeah. People are scared of emotion, don't yeah. mean you. We laugh a lot. Yeah. We, we use laughter as our key yeah. and our cure. But it's not always the best to carry on doing that. Nobody's good and people do cope. It's alright to have a little cry, like it's alright to get angry and it's alright to feel different emotions because even though people have got learned disability or to the mental health. And sometimes, sorry, and sometimes it's it the person with the learned disability doesn't know how to express their emotions. Yeah. Or don't know what the emotions they're feeling is. Yeah. Could we don't get taught. No, we don't. No, we don't. It's often how it's received as well, isn't it, by the people around you. Yeah. So if you're upset, people want want, want you to feel different. They're like, oh no, oh, oh, yeah. I wish she was happier. Stop crying. Or, yeah. You had to get that sort of. People don't like seeing people upset. Yes. So you learn to not express it. But oh, not feeling down, and I think. When people's first made it hard, it's a good place because if someone's feeling down, you don't get people trap. Like we try to make people happy, but we're not that person where we won't say the emotion that you feel now yeah. are not okay. We say the emotion that you feel now is okay. If you want to speak to people, they'll all be there for yeah. you if you're handling it well. If you need any space, you get it. And I think we're lucky in the way because we've had each other to speak to. We've had experience where other people with different kinds of life might have older person who doesn't know that emotion or doesn't know how to put up with it. And I think having other stuff with a learning disability, it's hard enough having that and dealing with that, but then dealing with, you might have ADHD, so you might get angry and, and people with ADHD might get it very quickly, and I have ADHD by the way. I might get it very quickly or might feel like frustrated and don't want people to talk to them. People might have panic attacks or anxiety where they don't want people to, to, to touch them. They might freeze and they don't want people to touch them because then you could kind of make it worse. So you can go the other way. The family be open and honest with you, yeah. but not ex not um, explaining the words to you, what they're yeah. saying. Like, if someone's dying and they tell them, like, for example, like your sister or someone, and they're, they're saying all these words to you, but you don't, they don't exactly explain what the words mean. Yeah, they just think you know. They just think you know, and you, you need that little bit more explanation. Like, like, oh, did the sleep? Yeah. Well, what does sleep actually mean? Yeah. So, I think, yeah, people just need to have a little bit more patience yeah. and understanding. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> just wanted to put that in. And can 
People just drop in to your office and talk about payment or do they need to make an appointment? So we, um, it usually works on referrals uh, and there's quite a bit of a waiting list at the moment. But we do try and accommodate for everybody and if things are a little more urgent then you know, we try and get you in a little quicker. Um, yeah, that, that tends to be how it works. You, we get a lot of referrals from the NHS and other services, um, but you can just call the office. Uh, there's a website as well. So, how long can bereavement sessions take until attendees have been provided with all the accessible support? So, um, we initially offer six sessions, but that. that Depending on the complexity of the, the, the bereavements, really, um, it can often go on a lot longer. Um, I don't think six sessions is adequate, really, um, especially when you're, you're first getting to know somebody and understanding how they experience grief. Uh, but we do what we can do with the, with the time we have. Um, it is also important to sort of factor into the sessions, like things that you can take away and things that you can sort of apply to yourself when you're not there. Um, I, sorry, I, well. sorry, I felt out of comment, sorry, I'm laughing like you want. After coming out of your sessions, I felt a bit, I felt uplifted. That's good then. I felt like, uh, uh, like the, the way to the world, I would be like, that took a little bit off. That's, well, that's really good. The world. And then... You went back, and then I went back into into like my normal life, and then it all came back on me. And then mm-hmm. like the next, so I think you're right. The six sessions on, yeah, like you need longer. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with Especially that. Especially for people with learning disabilities, because then you go home and you think about it and you stress about it. Yeah. But yeah, you'd always come out. I always came out anyway, feeling uplifted and. Good. And it's devoted to trust as well, like you said, Dave. Like you're not going to be like, "Are you stranger?" I'm yeah, going to tell you. It definitely takes a while. Oh, my life story, and yeah. And I think people don't realise they have had counselling in the past and mentors and stuff to okay. But it takes a long time for someone to actually feel comfortable sometimes. And it depends on it, and if people leave it for longer, the longer you leave it, the hard, yeah. the longer it will take yeah. to unravel it because there's a lot of questions to it, and that's what I would say. So that's very true. Not always the council may not have the answer, but maybe try and find the answer mm-hmm. but take a little baby step at a time would yeah. be my advice. So another thing we find is that uh, if the bereavement has been a long time ago that life grows around it and life is often complicated so sometimes people come to those first six sessions and we're just talking about things that are immediate things that they're going through at that time. Yeah. Um, so sometimes we don't even get to the, the, the bereavement. Um, mm. Yeah, so, so that, that limitation of six sessions is often... We try and do what we can do with the time that we have. Yeah. We could do it more. I think 
it's hard as well for people when they when they are going through something it can be traumatic trying to get that out it happened a long time ago because they might have buried it deep inside and what I felt like it's like someone pulling a string kind of thing trying to get it out and me pulling me back now going no 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 it's when you're ready to speak about it as well. And also, if the pair, if the, like the family around them are grieving and you don't want to talk to them about the person that you've lost, because they, they're grieving, you can see their sad. Yeah. You don't want to make it hard for them. So you hold the, you hold all the emotion in for a long time and then you, you internalise it then. You kind of, it kind of just becomes part of you then. Like I've got a good mum and dad, dad in a way that, especially my dad will explain stuff to me and go more into depth and I can have some stuff and it would take me on a walk around the park and I feel comfortable asking my dad stuff and now I can ask him anything. Even though sometimes he's like, Jesus, I'll sure. What now? But I know he's doing in the sense of humour. And I think as well, it's a friend, it might be a family member, but always, even though always try and find someone you trust to start opening up with. Um, and as you can open up with them, then maybe try. I think sometimes what's harder is people, especially with the trust again, people won't cage up and feel like they can't do it. So I would just say, or won't really say the issue that they come for because you might not like the person. Or stuff like that, and if you don't like the person, there's a lot of different people. Like Lisa, like Dave, but if she didn't, there's a lot of there's other people yeah. that you can go. We see. always we always try and uh, offer someone else. If you're feeling uncomfortable, we'll try and help you find someone that you're more comfortable with. Um, yeah, because that's the important part of it, isn't it? You've got to be able to sit comfortably and trust that person that's in front of you. If you're going to be vulnerable. Yeah. So my advice for people and probably leaders as well as you and everyone, yeah, is you feel uncomfortable. Please, please tell someone because it's a way that they'll be able to yeah. fix it. Yeah, there's other 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 people to talk to. It's not just a you know, there's not just one person. Yeah, we can always find someone more suitable. Yeah. Okay, so if the person is still feeling vulnerable and distressed when counselling ends, is there any follow-up support? So, uh, you can refer again to the service, which we, we have quite a lot of uh, clients that come back um, at various points in the, you know, after, they've, after they've left us the first time. 
but there's there isn't particularly a lot of uh, a lot of support, uh, whether that be other other services that provide counselling or group sessions. I, I do know that Mencap have recently uh, sort of started doing some things. I know they they have uh, one-to-one sessions. I think it's mentoring, and they have uh, group sessions as well. Uh, and there's there's also you guys, isn't there? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I've mentioned quite to quite a few of my clients about you guys. I think which I think is brilliant what you've done. They all all there for each other. Great. Like, what's our today? and Rosie and Diane is we had one of our members pass away, and to remind people, we we organised its funeral. It was people actually ill as friends, what we call family sometimes, when we're halfway, but is we want a friend or family, or other family, may have a friend, or other family, people there. It's it's good in a way because it's like having something like this makes you feel like you're part of a team and we wanted to talk about death. It wasn't, I swear to God, it wasn't a staff or no one's idea. We just noticed that there were people dying around us. And we were then told that the dying, sometimes we didn't get told about certain people, but straight away, but that's not good for other people. We organised a funeral, David's funeral. We organised it, we again cremated all buried, we organised everything. And even today, the people who do stuff for them, but they say, what I find hard in life is I think about a lot of them. So we don't just think about one. I think about them all at a time and I think at any time you can come up. Because they don't go anywhere else. say, kiss up to the ceiling and say, give me luck or to the sky it's supposed to be, but normally it looks like I'm kissing the ceiling. <laughs> um, and that's the way I cope with it, but people have the different ways. Yeah. So you've experienced a lot of loss, and when you feel it, you feel all of it. Yeah. Okay. So when someone dies, I remember other people who... Mm died and passed away and stuff like that and like Lisa said mm-hmm. it's about the word and so it is someone's dad, someone's yeah. gone or passed away maybe makes sense but someone's gone away mm-hmm. where'd you gone? it doesn't make sense sometimes so just be careful the way you're explaining it and just give people a little bit of time. Important to be clear and specific. Yeah. yeah. Even though it hurts, if you're an adult, we'll try to be treated like an adult. Yeah. So have you been to People First Made Sides or any other self-advocacy groups before? I've been here before. Um, it was the first time I met you all, wasn't it? Um, 
and we did a we did a session on bereavement and uh, the cycle of grief as well. Yeah. And I thought I was coming in to be the expert, and it turned out that you were all the experts. <laughs> I didn't really need to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really nice to meet you that first time. And I think from there it was uh, when we organised uh, or began to talk about getting somebody in for some sessions. Yes, wasn't it, it was. Yes. And you told me that you wanted to be a counsellor. Yes, well. I, which I'm trying to do. Yeah. <sighs> this counselling course. <laughs> I'm hopefully starting in September. Hopefully in September. Um, on the same course that Dave did. So it's not the same one that I did, but I, I do know the. Yeah, the, the lectures. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Fingers crossed. Everyone, fingers crossed. He's listening to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to, and then I'm doing the counselling course. Then I want to specialise, as I've said many times on here before, in um, people with learning, physical, and complex needs. So I'll have to do the, the course first, I think, and then I'll have to specialise in people with like learning disability. Yeah. yeah with learning physical and autism and complex needs. I think you'd be brilliant. So that's how it can link on to like health and social, social science. Yeah. But I don't know why I call social science or something like that. Don't know, but it is. And, um, but I'll always say it's best to do P2P in education as well. Yeah. Well, that leads nicely on to, are you aware of any person with a learning disability working in a bereavement counselling? So, not specifically, uh, I haven't met anybody, um, but there's absolutely a space for that. Um, which I think you'd be brilliant to fill. Uh, hello, me. <laughs> Trailblazing. Yes, yes, you do, Dave, it's me. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember us talking about maybe uh, setting up little a little group. Yes, you did, it? yes. Um, so that, that's definitely a way forward, I think, having sort of small, inclusive groups yes. uh, that people can drop into. Uh, and what, what age range do you do with that? Because... Is it for adults? Is it for teenagers? I won't know until I get onto the course myself. Yeah. I want to do a, ra a range of adults and children if I can, but if I have to like choose sort of thing, I like to do the, the children because then if you get them when they're young, then they won't grow up as angry as I was, yeah. as angry as some people are. And I think it's good, especially in also if I give a hat off to them. They had the mentors and they had the counsellor in there, Hubert had the counsellor in there, and I'm proud of it. They also have health and wellbeing in the pod. So there is, there is places and they can refer you to someone like yeah. Dave, there is places around where you might not feel like talking to someone also like if you might know someone's been through it maybe ask them a question and majority of the time they're open and it, and if you've got a person like i want to be like a counselor learning physical and 
complex needs people. Um, if you've got a person with the same condition as you, well, maybe the same, like a disability like you have, then you're more likely to listen to them more than a normal bookstander person on the street. Yeah, I remember people not taking medication and I remember lung collagen people to try and take medication that was suitable for them and one yeah. of the people in Hubert ended up being able to take the medication and qualify into university level so we always support each other in that way and I think especially as well don't be afraid to ask someone you trust because if they know someone they'll they'll send you around to them but do it when you're ready is my advice. I think that's a good point as well uh, colleges and schools and or, uh, educational organisations tend to have a health and well-being bit don't they so yeah they can either signpost you or they might have a counsellor uh, yeah so, oh, do, yeah always help I used to like the cup of teas. <laughs> the cup of tea is the best. Just, just if you if you're ever gonna counsel me, just give me a cup of tea. Too short for them. I was just gonna say that they're better off as maybe a little thing and and if someone's got no logical, it's good to have fiddly so I call them fiddly toys but they're called Fidget spinners and stuff to have for the specially if someone's opening up, if you can distract them by the hands and stuff, maybe they might feel more comfortable sitting there for longer. So, there's some advice always a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or a drink, always. I'm going to remember that, I'm going to make a note. Yes. Always. Tea, coffee yes. and fidget spinners. Yes. Always, but like his fidget spinner, just to get up, I will show you in a bit. Yeah. All you. our fidget stuff. And like, it could drink, maybe someone might not want to drink, but a cold drink or something. If someone gone have a cup of drink and it's cold just... Cold water's really cold, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a lovely room until you turned up. But yeah, it's, it's, and if people need readable adjustments, like a bigger room or uh, sometimes with counselling, it can be small rooms. That's hard with people with disabilities, so if you can, like, post them maybe to a bigger room or somewhere they feel more comfortable but it's also about people with the disability saying can I have a bigger room, can I have this as a readable adjustment if you don't tell someone you don't get so yeah never be embarrassed of saying could I have ADHD I'm in a small room like take like that bouncing up and down so yeah and everyone can learn every day, sort of new. So, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me, sir.
to buy from Asia. And hopefully to see you on the next episode.